And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Welcome to Social Media White Noise. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that, Ted, but we've had complaints that the intro's too long. Now we're on air. We really are on air this time. Are you sure? We're I am. On we air are on air. This yes. time. I didn't trick you this time. In the Blind Tiger Club in Brighton. Yes. Episode number 98. 98. Of Social Media White Noise. You're trying to do a Neil Armstrong impression. No, I just forgot the number. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> it's episode number 98. And you are? And I'm Andy White, Aka Doctor Pod, spelled out D R C T O R P R D. Spelled out fully, not D R. I have to order a second coffee because by the time you finish saying that, mm. my first coffee's gone cold. And I am Nick Butler, aka Loudmouth Man. Excellent. Okay. Easy. See? And Done. Whoosh. Uh, On with the next thing. We're going to talk about so many things, like these fantastic samosas that have just arrived Nick's in front just had of samosas. Me. And I've got, I, and I've got some so toasties on the way. Mm. I'm sorry about the strange blips on the order. I don't know what's causing it, but I don't care anymore. Sorry. I just don't care. I'm really sorry. What are we talking about today, then, Nick? There's a big long list, and there's a few things well, here that just I have not been able down, to check on. Just as, just as, as we down, sat down, Nick said to me, "Breaking news: the Pope has resigned." <laughs> I don't think he's allowed to do that, is he? Is he? I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not like, well, you've gotten through your probation period, Pope, and and everybody's <laughs> kind of happy with you. So, uh, thank you. There we are. There's, there's lemons that have arrived as well. Um, you know, we're happy with you now, Pope. So, wait, wait, you know. You have the full-time job. And he goes like, that's fine. I'm going to resign. And, and... I wonder why he's resigned. And, 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 excuse me, didn't God tell anybody that he was going to resign? I mean, they all got together prayerfully and burnt offerings and... Oh, it's, I don't know how many Catholics I can upset uh, right. with this particular rite. Talking of burnt offerings. Talking burnt we, offerings. Today we're talking about uh, BT Scrap Fair usage caps. Uh, where for are thou, Google Fibre UK? Yes, good one. Uh, Delgo's private with the Microsoft. <laughs> we get to uh, talk about Coinbase. Coinbase is selling over um, one million. One million US dollars per month. We'll talk about that and uh, uh, a little bit of chat about so open government isn't the same as open source. Tim O'Reilly, so, open um, government and open Nick, source. They're all yours this week. So Why is that? Why? I'm going to save my energy for a rant. You're going to save your energy for a rant. I'm going to try rant. and select something to rant you're, about. You're going to make me sit here and rant whast these samosas. No, no, I'm going to cool rant. I want to rant today. So um, what's this about BT then, scrapping their fair usage caps? I have read it. Um, as you may or may not know, my internet usage on fibre is with Sky Internet. I didn't know you had fibre. I have fibre... All the way to the house? Well, not all the way to the house. It's fibre to the cabinet. Yeah, and, and then fibre copper. To the curb, and it's copper to the... So I get okay. 40 meg broadband, and I'm happy with that. But one of the reasons I stuck with Sky was they had no broadband caps in place. They had no artificial uh, inflation on your usage. You so, say you're getting 40 meg. So I get 40 meg download. Yeah, I, I get 15 on a good day. And, Sorry, carry on. I'm not jealous. It's, it's not about you. It's about me. It's about broadband. It's about, it's about BT. Go on. It's about the fact that I've never been able to... I've always looked at all the alternatives and realised that they all have some level of fair usage policy. Even when they've said unlimited, what they've really meant is unlimited, but please don't use more than 50 gig a month. Yeah. And... I think, it's, you know, when we're living in a, in a time where we watch everything through iPlayer, we watch everything through Netflix, we watch everything through YouTube, we... It's certainly going that our, way. We put our music up on Google Play because there's 20,000 tracks allowed in Google Play, which is more than my library is, and so I have all my music streamed off the cloud straight to my devices. So all of your music is now up in the cloud? It's now up in the cloud. You and store then I it just, there. And I just play it through my browser and it's fine. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not like. Anyway, back to the whole point. Is yeah, 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 yeah. Sky Internet doesn't cap my usage, so they've never, they, they've never worried about how much I use. 
However, you look at other ISPs and they're always like, well, we really want to make sure you're not using the service. Now, we talked about this in the last or show. using the service. We talked about this in the last show. Or using show, the service. That it's their job to invest the money of us customers in their network to improve the bandwidth. Mm. If they're going to say to me that I can download at 40 megabits a second, then that means 40 megabits per second in every second of every month. That's that a fair assumption. 40 megabits a second, but right up until I hit a cap, and after that you can't use it. Because if that's the case, it's not 40 megabits per second for the whole month of the contract. It's a percentage thereof. They are they're misleading you. Now, this is one article I've spotted over on which, which says that the unlimited broadband, as BT say goodbye to fair usage policies, mm-hmm. BT are, are taking away the label on their package unlimited and basically removing the cap. They're saying, we're not going to look at the cap. We're not going to look at how much data you're using because if we're offering you broadband, if we're offering you fibre, you should be able to use it at that speed at any time or day of the month. Um, is this a start of other internet service providers deciding that you know, if they're reasonably expected to provide a service at a mm. set rate and a set speed, mm. that they should reasonably expected to provide it all the time? Um, okay, so so we're, who are you with again, Nick? I'm with Sky. So Sky, they didn't have a fair usage policy. Is that they, what? They don't. They don't have the fair usage policy. They're not yeah. worried okay. if I go through a terabyte of data. Okay. They're impressed if I get through a terabyte. Were of data they the only one like that, Nick, or were there a few others? Are they one of just a few that were doing that? In the consumer market mm. for broadband usage, so we're not talking about business usage. Yeah. Um, at the price level I was looking at, which was £15 a month, yeah. they were the only one offering that. Unless I was prepared to pay closer to £100 a month to get an unmetered connection, where they again don't manage and stress it and so forth, unless right. I was prepared to go down that route, um, that was really my only choice. And of course BT, even at their fastest broadband speed, still had a little bit in there when, well, there's a bit of fair usage, you know, we expect you to use it fairly. Yeah, yeah. Mm, okay, and so now BT have joined in, which is pretty good. So the point we're making here is uh, let's hope that other people join in as well. Other ISPs follow suit, well, get rid of their. Plusnet, um... Plusnet have something similar, right? But and it's worth looking into. I think this is going to. This is only going to grow because the use of things like um, 4G has been noted. You know, you could buy a you could buy a 4G service for your mobile phone. Yeah. From Infinity Broadband, but they were only offering you a 500 meg data cap per month. Okay. And, and if, hang on, if I can download 50 meg a second, can you give me a 500 meg cap? Well, how many seconds will it take to go through? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think I think this is when the marketing and the companies suddenly realised that people would start doing the maths, mm. and they would do the maths if they could do their maths on their phone and work out that hang on, I'm being ripped off here because I'm not got I have a lot of speed. Mm. Because I can't possibly use that speed. Um, I think people are beginning to realise that they were getting the same rip-off sort of result in terms of, oh, we're, we're promising you a speed, but we don't want you to ever really use that yeah, all yeah. the time. What they're saying is this is the maximum speed you can get. This is like the, like the speed limit, if you like. Yeah, um, and then, but the amount of traffic that you send uh, is limited. And I think this, is, this sort of leads us next quite neatly into um, the conversation about Google Fibre. This was staggering. Uh, I can't get over... Because it's only been rolled out to a few people in America right now, hasn't it? Through Google with there's its a, own There's a few towns in America have put their own cable infrastructure in. So it's just a cable network. Are we, talking, the same way... speed, are we talking speeds of up to one gig here? Yes. 
Yeah. One we're we're talking about households that have one gigabit per second and in their local network of their town... Because, like, five years ago, a T1... What's a T1 line? How fast is that? Uh, pass, but yeah, T1... Yeah, they're pretty fast. Like, they were the big thing, weren't they? But a one gigabit... You used to get like, ISDN lines and ISDN 2E lines and 512K. 512K! Oh, that's fast! How does that compare with internal network speeds? Well, it doesn't, really. I mean, you're talking about an internal network speed at 100 me 10 megabits. Yes. Would still be faster. Yes. At one megabyte per second. Yes. Than a 512K per second link of RISDN. Now, let's put all that aside for them. What we're talking about in America is the fact that they... Google have, have said, look, we are tired of waiting on broadband providers... Yeah. Uh, ...stepping into the middle and expecting some sort of sender's pay mechanism or, uh, you know, they want a cut of all this. So I'm we not have enough very money. satisfied remembering our, uh, what we talked about last time, of yeah. course. They yeah. have, you know, they have the money. So as an experiment, let's kit out this town with, with fibre yeah. so that there's no restriction to what they use. There's no fair usage caps. Mm. You can just use a gigabit. It's just like plugging in. And, of course, if you can do that and then you've got your office in your home, now you can network your office in your home across your town yeah. at gigabit speed. Yeah. It's, like being on a, it's like being on a local area network. Yeah. It actually makes all the questions about broadband contention, which are consistently thrown up, which incidentally are, and there's another article this links from, uh, which are incidentally not accurate. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay, I'm just fiddling with wires here. Carry on. These, yeah, these, these, these sort of concerns that, oh, well, we've got <coughs> too many people using too much of the data, and, and why should everybody else pay for these few people who use it? And the answer is, the reason everybody else pays for these few people who use it is that everybody else pays so that anybody else can use it at the same time as anybody else. You don't care. I'll just send you that to not, my team of scientists to analyse, but I think I get the drift. Yeah. that somebody is using it more than anybody else. You should care that it's made available to anybody else equally. Mm. And that's the, you know, the common concept. The common conceit here is that, oh, well, it's unfair if a few people use it heavily. But it's more unfair if, if everybody can barely use it at all. And, and, you know, they're sort of setting up this idea that, oh, well, it costs us to implement the infrastructure. But, yes, that's your market. Google Fibre exists in America. It's very popular. There are people who are moving to towns because Google Fibre is there. Yes. There are people who are living in towns that now won't move because they're not going to put up with going to a slower internet connection, which tells us that people want high-speed communication. Is anything always. like this happening in the UK? There's nothing like this in the UK. There's no Google project in the UK. So let me get this right. Google is investing in fibre infrastructure, correct? Yep. And they're, so they're basically becoming an ISP? They're basically becoming an ISP. OK. Now, Google becoming an ISP has people going like, oh, it's a bit worrying. Well, but not if it's going to stop... If it... I was going to use a rude word then, but insert blank rude word like... Who was it? Orange in France. Uh, Google, you'd pay us to put your data over our network. Well, Sorry, is, I love French people. I, wasn't, I was taking the mick out of orange, not French people. With a terrible French accent. Yes. This, is the, this has to be the concern, which is... Um, if you don't have legitimate, legitimate competition but you have these ISPs who all appear to be sort of agreeing with each other that there's terrible congestion on the network, whilst there are professional uh, system administrators and network managers who say, there isn't. It's just we aren't investing in the technology to remove it. And once you've got those two conversations going, you're going to say, well, actually, is it that they're not investing the profits back into the business? What we must do in a future show, when we've got time, Nick, is you can tell everyone a story, the future... The future of the internet 
involving fibre, IPv6 and Bitcoin. There's a juicy one for you. No, I think actually it's um, the future of the internet uh, is 4G, mm. um, narrow beam Wi-Fi and uh, mobile. Which is right, well, we could talk about that instead. Let's move on to the. Think, just before we move on to the next mm -hmm. topic, let me talk a little bit about this venue, because tell us um, about the blind tiger. Basically, awesome. the problem that me and Nick have got is we, we, we are starting to run, even in Brighton, we are starting to run out of coffee shops a little bit. I mean, we have still got plenty more in Brighton, but it's just like finding them now. I found four. At this venue is quite interesting because it's a it's a real blend. It's a public house. It's also a music venue. It's also a coffee shop. And it's situated sort of, not right in the middle of Brighton, but sort of slightly to the right of centre Isn't of Brighton. Isn't this right next to the University of Brighton? Right, right next to one of the buildings of the University of Brighton. Uh, five minutes from the pier, five minutes from the true city centre. Um, actually, two minutes from the Pussycat Club. Two minutes from the Pussycat Yeah, Nick knows that very well. So that's where <laughs> we are. Uh, what do you think of the coffee, Nick? Uh, well, the Pussycat Club, lovely. No, no the here, coffee. The mm. coffee is great here. I mean, obviously, it's still served in these sort of ridiculously wide-mouthed cups. Do you still do your um, innuendo coffee descriptions? Um, I don't, really, because I think the trouble is... Have you when... stopped, are they a bit, you know, well, passe now? Are they... they a bit old school? Are they a bit... I think when people start demanding them, they begin to be like things... Yeah. That you're just like, well, no, because... Well, I'll just leave you to talk about it for th but the coffee three seconds. Here... The coffee here, uh, we've, I've, I've asked for an Americano. Um, it's very clearly been a pressed and, and um, you know, this isn't filter coffee. This hasn't been hanging around for a couple of hours. This is fresh coffee, fresh ground. And um, I couldn't quite name that blend, but if I was going to, I might go with a uh, more of a Java in there mm. than an Arabica, I would say. Yeah. But listeners know what Nick's talking about. The, this, coffee this, uh, this coffee here is... I, I tell you what, the, the venue. This, this, this venue strikes me as a sort of place where you want to crash down here for a couple of hours, yeah. fire up some Wi-Fi, do some work, and then crack out a board I've got, game. I've got free Wi-Fi. It's big. It's spacious. Big tables, big low tables, lovely leather sofas just crashing and just crash out on. Big stage where great, the bands play snacks. when they've got bands coming. Big long bar way over there. So it's a brilliant place. Go downstairs, down, down some funky stairs to go to the loose. It's brilliant. Excellent place. They go into the wrong toilets because you misread what the signs are on the wall. Yeah, because they're hand-painted, but they're good. Anyway, next on the list of things to <laughs> talk about... always my worry about going to is, um, um, what I call sort of that sort of slightly sort of trend venue. That's like, well, this is always great, but don't make me guess which one is the blokes and which one is the ladies' gents. <laughs> it's got a stick on it. It's obvious it's a bloke. When both doors were open. The first door I saw had this giant cockerel on the back wall, and I thought, cockerel? Evidently, that's the men's. In <laughs> I walk. Did you go into the girls? Uh, at which point I recognised the dispenser <laughs> for the sanitary towels. It's probably an indication I'm in the wrong one. That and the lack of tray. OK. Poor old Nick. I will bother for admitting it. Well done. Very open and transparent over there, Nick. I, I, I just like, it's like when you go into these places that have the unisex bathrooms and you sort of step out from the stall, there's a woman washing her hands and you're like, shit, have I gone into the wrong place? Yes, Warner. Some of us, some of us don't get the sort of trendy urbane stylings. <laughs> Nick's, getting, Nick's getting old, which is a wonderful segue into the future of the PC. And grumpy. Um, what is the significance of Dell making its um, going going private and this help from my? Uh, shall we tell? Shall because we talk about Michael Dell's privates? Mr. Dell. Yes. Let's okay. talk about his privates. So um, disclosure at this point. That would have been a better segue, wouldn't I... it? I spend my time promoting and selling Dell equipment to small and medium-sized businesses. That's right, because you, you like Dell, don't you? 
Uh, I actually like the Dell products. Yeah. I love the Dell after sales engineer support. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. Is that still um, in Ireland? It used to be in Ireland. Uh, well, here's, so let's we'll break it down a bit. We'll talk yeah. about where Dell. So, Dell has the problem that people just aren't buying PCs with gusto as much as they'll buy a tablet. Okay. They're buying tablets, they're buying iPhones, and people are realising, I don't actually need a PC at home because yes. I don't do all that stuff. You know, the large majority of people, to do the things they want to do, do not need a PC. Mm -hmm. The remaining amount of people who are buying machines are buying Macs and they're buying laptops or they're building custom-built game rigs. Yeah. And, and so, what are, where are Dell in this? Now, here's, here's the sort of two things that people don't get when we talk about this product. Is that most of the pundits I see discussing this will talk about this from a consumer point of view. Mm. And they'll talk about Dell in respect to Apple. Second thing is they will never discuss, they'll, they'll never get into the conversation that is the legitimate issue for a small to medium-sized business, which is, I buy the equipment... Where do I get my support? Now, I've, I've yeah. just been going back and forth with Dell for a, few, for a while because I've been saying to them that I'm struggling Thank with you. their... Thank you. my toasties. Sorry, um, carry on, Nick. With their... I'll eat. You talk. Those look awesome. They're lovely. Um, they are struggling with their sort of delivery on their website because you visit a Dell website and you might as well be entering a maze of twisty passages. It's about 101 options. As opposed to if you go to Apple, they go, here's a Mac. Here's the first Mac you can buy. Here's its price. Done. They don't make it more complicated than that. You go to the Dell site. They go, here's this machine. Prices start here. Mm -hmm. Customise. You go into that price. You start at £400. I remember that. You That's... go off and customise it, and you're like, £800. They had that years ago, because I remember going through that years ago. Yeah. Now, I've sort of gone back to them and said, look, you guys have got to change this proposition. You should open with, the first question is, how much support do you want for this machine? Do you want an engineer next day, or do you want an engineer like at the end of the week or do you want to send it back to us and after they've asked that question say okay well look, that's going to add about 100 pounds to the price and the next question is how much software do you really need installed on this machine and so we'll tell you what software is and that'll add this much and then we'll say right what specification machine do you need yeah and by that time if you've gone off and you've said i don't want this and i don't want this and i don't want this you get the price that doesn't jump up but you get the price that stays down whereas if you've gone in and said i need to have next day next day support with an engineer turning up and I need to have Microsoft Office on there, and I need to have this machine for my administrator's desktop, then you begin to see why it costs you £800. But they don't do it that way. So they've had a struggle with people giving a damn about their website, giving a damn about their product, having Windows 8 being a product that nobody can quite work out where we're fitting this back into the market. And with the recession on, most small businesses are just making machines last as long as they can. So Dell had a problem. And Michael Dell, who was the original owner, you know, started this thing off in a garage, started off with a very small amount of investment. Yes. Um, started building machines to order. And that's always been Dell's kit, Dell's shtick, is they build machines to order. Mm. Whereas if you buy an Apple, it's pretty much a small specification. If you buy a Dell kit, they'll make sure an engineer can be on site with you next day. There is no way with Apple as a service provider that you can go to Apple and buy a product and have an engineer with you next day. It's provided by a third party and you have to organise that with some third party company. And even if you get an engineer on site next day, there is still essentially very little in the way of components that you get for Apple. It's Andy not Nods. the same as yeah. Dell. So Michael Dell approaches us and says, OK, I'm going to put my own money back into this company. He bought back a lot of the shares. He bought back a lot of the ownership. He got into a partnership with... 
um, is a, well, it's a two billion pound loan, two billion dollar loan from Microsoft. Um, there's a separate That's investment. Two billion, isn't it? Yeah, two billion, yes. Yeah, two billion dollars from Microsoft. Uh, a separate, a separate investment from another investment company, mm. taking back over the company. I'm, I'm aware of changes that are going to come down from within Dell that will be reflected in their website and in their product delivery. Are you at liberty to talk about them? Or I can't you, talk you about it. Okay. Um, but I know that this is really... And I wrote back to the guys I knew at Dell and I said, this is great. This is stuff that we care about. And Dell, Michael Dell being in charge... What we... SMEs and consumers, what we look for in corporate leadership is a corporate leader. And, you know, with Apple, we had Steve Jobs and he felt like somebody that we felt we could listen to. With Microsoft, they keep going back to Balmer, and it's a terrible mistake. And you know, it's just like no, he has no corporate charisma to this. Dell haven't had anybody to put up to the stage. Now they've got Michael Dell back. Now they've got their owner back. And there's did, a chance. Did he step right out of it then? Did he? He got really he back got, off. He got really backed off. He was basically I'm not involved. I didn't in realise that. Right. Okay. Um, so this is about him getting back involved in the company and taking up. And he's having the same way that Steve Jobs was involved with Apple and mm. wasn't involved with mm. Apple, mm. is now involved with Apple. We should be looking at this and considering what I'm saying about PCs need to evolve in what we expect of their architecture. Mm. They are well-placed to deliver architecture for business and to deliver architecture for the consumer alongside Microsoft's architecture in Windows 8. And they could potentially offer that vertical marketplace of a app market store for the IT administrator of the business that works upstream of the Microsoft products. App they could Pro, do that. App Pro, yeah. They could go on the App Pro, so you could have a Dell market store. So there is that functionality there. I'm, I'm really confident about this. It makes me, it gives me the warm fuzzies I mean, should, knowing. Should PCs be more commoditized? I mean, you buy... Um, well, they are commoditized. No, 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 I used the wrong words. What I meant was... A bit like you go to the Dell site and you go, right, I'm going to build it myself, or what this is. Isn't it, shouldn't they go more of the Apple way and just go, this is the, give them some funky name, like the, the Lima, this is the Gorilla, this well, is the, and like, and they're just like pre-packaged. Yeah, there's too many choices. It's, it's like walking into the thing and, and, you know, unless you know how to order the low-fat, high, high chai lime macchiato, mm. you know, with extra sprinkles and double whipped cream lean, mm. uh, you generally feel like an idiot and you're just going to go, can I have that one? Mm. Just want a coffee. Mm. Um, this is a there is there is going to be a change coming down this website so there's going to be a change coming across uh, with luck what we'll see is uh, Michael Dell will take more of a vocal front page to this and make it easier for uh, the sales teams inside Dell to um, reduce the overload of communication they constantly had if you've, gone, if you've ever gone to a Dell event, mm. um, it's a whole village in itself. When you learn about how Dell integrates packaging and integrates uh, the coordination of parts and plans the coordination of spares for the future for machines they've sold five years ago mm. and how they uh, sort out ordering components so that they have just-in-time stock ordering in place, it's a very impressive operation. And, and to put all that in place and then realise that they've then got to provide a service to their support staff, the engineers who can go on site, need to be able to say, from this component that I'm visiting, I will be able to get these parts from a shelf right now, is, that's a, that's a whole level of complexity that Apple just don't deal with. Mm. 
with Apple, with my Mac Air in front of me, I have no such thing as a next business day support. If it fails, I have to physically go to an Apple store and talk to somebody, and they have to go, Ooh, might have the bit in place, but what I'll do is I'll take all your data off and just give you a replacement Mac Air. Mm. So instead of fixing the component, they just throw it all out. Swap it out. Swap it out and take it away. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's cheaper until you're a business. And when you're a business, you can't have that going on. You can't have, oh, we've got to take this staff member's machine down to a store. We've got to wait until they respond to it at the store. Mm. We've then got to get the part and then bring it back because you don't have that flexibility as a business. And, and you generally just want to be able to have the staff working there and, and nobody's going off-site to do something else. It's the core difference between Apple products and the Dell product from an SME perspective that is never discussed. It's, it's, it's like when I get back into Windows 8. All the conversations I see about Windows 8 are from people who are effectively consumers or overly technical. And what they don't appreciate is that Windows 8 is giving the IT manager and the end user the two things that they've sort of always wanted all the time, which is all the user account information locked to the user in mm. the email, and all the uh, shortcuts on the desktop are in the tile. So there's no more dragging it to the desktop. It's already there. Mm. But people aren't, people aren't being sold that because they don't understand why they need that. Well, we'll talk more about Windows 8 at another show because I, 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 I am so out of touch with Microsoft because I left it and didn't look yep. back years ago now. But just before we talk about the next thing, Shall we briefly talk about sponsors or lack of? Because mm. yeah. <laughs> we don't have a sponsor right now. Sponsors, I really should pull my finger or my finger well, out. I, I mean, I, I should, Nick. I mean, you're you're a busy guy. Um, so if anyone out there wants to sponsor us, <laughs> we will love you. And, we have uh, enjoyed the sponsorship for <laughs> King of Shaves, Ebuyer, Scrivener, Teach Copyrights. Yes. Um, kudos to those guys. Kudos and to gals. those people who've also donated to us individually and put the yes. money in. Don't forget, you can do the same by visiting socialmediawhitenoise.com. There is a donate button on the site. It is PayPal. I'm sorry, Aral. I know you don't like PayPal, but what am I going to do? It's the only one that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm well, sorry. However, serious grief with them, didn't they? you know, could we take Bitcoin payments? Turns out Coinbase well, this is, thing, God, is making it easy let's to transfer do, coins. Yes, let's talk about this because we're at 26 minutes and I'd rather talk about this than the last... The last one, but yes, yes, Bitcoin. So this platform allows you to whose name I've completely forgotten. Coinbase. Coinbase allows you. What does it allow you to do? Okay, Buy so Coinbase and sell Bitcoin. are in place <laughs> with agreements in various banks in America to exchange coins for dollars and dollars for coins. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Somebody in America has market. agreed with yes. banks. To buy and there's, there's European banks joining in now as well. In fact, Bitcoin's gaining credibility through its ubiquity. And, and it still gains that credibility because although there is the concern that it's too easy to do money laundering, it's too easy to hide cash flow, it's too easy to hide money trails, the flip side of that okay. is that it takes some of the marketplace transactional issues uh, which are in place because of currency exchange rates and agreements between countries and flips them. It makes them irrelevant. You, you transfer the money into that coin, you then go to that coinage and export it. So, and, and, you know, the function of each coin is it's unique to that coin. Yes, Coinbase are currently doing a million dollars of Bitcoin a month. I mean, their market is increasing. You can, well, if you go to the page, the graph is just, like, exponential. It's just... <laughs> the graph shows some fairly unique peaks in trading and troughs in trading. Yeah. But the interesting... But the trend is that pretty exponential. The interesting 
thing to take from this is if you want to scale up the smaller peaks and troughs yeah. to look at to match them to the larger peaks and troughs, you would see that it's a similar it's a similar rhythm and cycle. So we're not seeing a different rhythm here that's creating it. We're seeing the same one, but at a vastly exponential rate of exchange. And that means more people getting involved and more money being exchanged. Um, I, I've always been a long proponent of Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin will be a very important product for the internet for handling the authentication of transactions, not just as a currency, but as a mechanism that says, I promise that this thing is unique. <coughs> now, we're well, seeing more of that. That's built into Bitcoin, isn't that's it? Built into Bitcoin, the crypto, yes. you can you can track all the transactions. Can you do that with normal currency? Yes, you can, but you also have the problem of in order to do that, you have to then track every bit of currency. To have to have normal currency, yeah. you, you have a mechanism by which you plan against counterfeiting. So you have a design that deters counterfeiting or makes it very hard to counterfeit or makes it not cost-effective to counterfeit. But you can still print money. And so you're a, you're a, you're a country and you've got... Um, a million dollars, a million, a million made-up dollars in your economy, made up of a million made-up dollar notes that you've printed. You've just printed, okay. Uh, however, you have a issue in your market where more people have lent a promissory note, not the actual dollar notes, to people for those dollar notes that you've printed, um, and the market has in, has inflated to such that the promissory notes could not cover the amount of dollars that have been printed. And so okay. what you then have to do is you then have to go back and say, well, we will now print more of these notes and put them into the market. Is that what's happening in the UK right now and the, and the general of a, Western this is, economies? This is, this is kind of a thing about a fiat currency rather than a reserve-based okay. currency. Okay. See, Bitcoin is a reserve-based currency. So, it, it's a so that can't happen with Bitcoin. So, with see, I'm not a financial currency. guy, so it's, it's tricky for me. So you get into what's called reserve currencies and, and fiat currencies. Right, okay. Fiat currencies are when the government promises it will only cost this much. But when you start having a fiat currency where the government can start escalating the amount of notes that are in place... By printing more money. By printing more money. Mint, yes. and Thereby, thereby ensuring that the promissory notes are covered, you then have to take all of the savings that are in people's banks and you have to say that although that was originally, you know, made up dollar value one, yeah. it's made up dollar value is now point Is that otherwise known as inflation? And that's your inflation. Okay, right. So, I know that bit, yeah. So you then have to say all the market goods that you were paying for at like $1 a time yeah. are now $1.20 a time yes. in order to, so that people start using up more of those dollars that you printed. Okay. So when you okay. have a reserve currency, but that's the, you know, get into economics 101. There's yeah. a, there's a silly bit here where I'm trying to teach myself a lot about economics by virtual currencies. Bitcoin as a virtual currency is very important. We always mention it somewhere right. in one of our shows. Just a quick question, Nick, before we end the show. Do you know of any good books anyone has written on Bitcoin? Or, uh, uh, there are no good authoritative content on content Bitcoin. Or... But I would say that you should definitely, we'll put the notes in here, I'd recommend you watch Four Horsemen from Motherload. I think I've seen that. It's okay. a video, isn't it? Uh, and it's a, it's a video, it's a film, it's a DVD, yes. it's available for a few dollars. Download and watch online. It's, uh, it's online, I think. I think I've yeah. seen it. It's only a short film, isn't it? And it's, you know, about an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, it is it? Covers, okay. It covers an awful lot of content about the economy, about currencies, yeah. about classical economics, yeah. about where we are today and what the troubles are in terms of our finances and, and what we should probably be doing to resolve them. All right. Worth watching. I'll put the show notes in the show notes links. So we're actually at 31 we minutes. So 
We'll save we'll the save last the one for next time. Transparency in government to yeah. another time. So I have been Andy White, and I probably will be next time, and he has been. I'm still going to be Nick Butler, aka Loudmouth Man at loudmouthman.com. You have listened to episode number 98 of Social Media White Noise. Visit socialmediawhitenoise.com. Click on that donate button. Donate some pounds or some bitcoins if we get round to it, uh, so that we can continue with coffee, the cake, the conversations, and the. Or are we going to accept bitcoin sooner Meet? or later? Okay. Yes. It's coming soon, folks. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Social Media White Noise, brought to you by Andy White, Acker Doctor Pod, and Nick Butler, Acker Loudmouth Man. Please visit www.socialmediawhitenoise.com where you can leave comments, listen to the show straight from the webpage, and subscribe for free. Email us at ulot at socialmediawhitenoise.com. Follow us on Twitter, Dr. Pod and Loudmouthman. We'd like to thank the coffee shops of Sussex, social media and technology, without whom this show would not be possible. See you soon. Peace. <laughs>